Hello, you are tuned in to WERU Community Radio 89.9 FM in Blue Hill and streaming online at WERU.org. This is Community Wellness Watch, a program about public health. My name is Emma Weiss, WERU intern and your host for the next hour. Special thanks to the Maine Community Foundation for supporting this program. You may have heard our brief Community Wellness Watch announcements throughout the past several months, and it is with bittersweetness that we bring you our fourth and final full-length program for this project. Each month, I have sat down with healthcare providers and other professionals to talk about how they've adjusted their practices throughout the COVID-19 pandemic and how they continue to keep our communities healthy and safe. This is not meant to serve as professional medical advice, but rather we hope to inform listeners of local resources in the area and give a huge thank you to these providers for their very important work. Today, we'll be talking about food insecurity. And it is my absolute pleasure to have with me today, Anna Wind, Healthy Eating and Magic Food Bus Coordinator at Healthy Peninsula in Blue Hill. Anna, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Emma. It's a pleasure to be with you. We also have with us O.J. Logue, Interim Executive Director of Bar Harbor Food Pantry in Bar Harbor. O.J., thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. And finally, joining our panel is Joe Ryan, Executive Director of Area Interfaith Outreach, Food and Energy Assistance in Rockland. Thank you so much for being here, Joe. Thank you, Emma. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So we will get started with our first question. And maybe we can start with you, Anna. Can you tell us about your organization and about the services that you provide? Yes, Emma. Thank you. I work with Healthy Peninsula, which is the home of the Magic Food Bus. We were one of the original Healthy Main partnerships and over time became an independent 501c3. We're based in Blue Hill, Maine, and we serve nine towns in this area, including Blue Hill, Brooklyn, Brooksville, Castine, Penobscot, Sedgwick, Surrey, Deer Isle, and Stonington. And our mission, as stated, is to improve the health and well-being of the residents of this area by mobilizing, supporting, and collaborating with community partners. We have three headline initiatives, Healthy Eating, Healthy Aging, and Healthy Families. And our Healthy Eating Initiative, which I oversee both convenes community conversations and provides direct service through a focus on food security and access to free, fresh local produce and books for all via the Magic Food Bus. I asked Anna if she could tell us a bit more about the Magic Food Bus. So the Magic Food Bus itself is one of our healthy eating programs that is a traveling farm stand and library. We also share many different resource materials from all sorts of community partners. And it operates like a pop-up table um, with a volunteer driver who sets up um, a little farm stand table throughout June through the end of September in many different locations across the peninsula community um, where people can come and visit and pick out free, fresh produce, vegetables, fruits, books, uh, and talk about some of the information available from people like Blue Hill Heritage Trust, um, Northern Light Blue Hill, any materials that are being sent out. We get them into different pockets of the community. Um, So we'll set up at places like schools, maybe the laundromat, low-income senior housing, uh, or the local town office, and anybody can come. Um, We have a little donation jar, but anything can be taken uh, free of charge, and we hope to create just kind of a sweet moment to connect with friends and neighbors, as well as pick up some things that you might need. Additionally, beyond the Magic Food Bus, I work 
with other community organizations to collaborate to provide culinary educational opportunities, um, working with school gardens and directly in schools to support healthy snack programming, um, sometimes outdoor active programming and providing a healthy eating component for those things. And pre-pandemic, I was doing some culinary workshops with older adults, getting together with some of the people who would visit during the farming uh, produce season here in Maine uh, to pick up food from the Magic Food Bus and then getting together maybe January, February, March in the times when they're not getting out to see each other as much to share a meal, prepare food together, answer questions um, and enjoy each other's company. One of the things we also host is a community food programs call for the peninsula where we encourage people to stay in touch with each other because there is a lot of amazing work being done in this area and we like to collaborate um, and support each other in creative problem solving. Here's OJ Logue from Bar Harbor Food Pantry. As you mentioned before, I'm the interim executive director. I came in in April, and I'll explain how I came about later on. But the Barber Food Pantry has been around for quite a few years, but only formally became a 501c about 10 years ago. We're located behind the, the YWCA off of Cavanaugh Street, uh, of the Manchester Street and Cavanaugh Street. So it's tucked in behind the, the uh, YWCA. And that's where we have the food pantry. And we also have a clothing boutique off of Kennebec Street here, right next to the fire station, where we sell used clothing as a fundraiser for um, the pantry, which is also an incredible uh, service for the community because it's beautiful clothes that, you know, people, it's amazing how many people do come to uh, Serendipity. We have that as a fundraiser. Basically, we, we do provide mostly for the Mount Desert Island area, but we also are charged with serving the Hancock County area as well, because, you know, like other communities have food pantries as well, you know, like like Joe and Rockland, um, even though he's not in, in Hancock County, but uh, Blue Hill, Ellsworth, and other communities have their food pantries as well. So what we do is we provide food boxes, but it's sort of a customized online. They can, they can put an online order, um, usually they come to pick those food up uh, from Tuesday to Thursday. And then on Friday, we have what we call Fresh Food Friday. We put out all of our produce um, for the week for the public. So we usually get about 50, 50 people who come by on Friday. And sometimes we have a wide array of other items such as baby food or pet food and that kind of thing that we have for the community as well. And then we have partnerships with several organic farms that we support. Uh, so we have really nice fresh produce, less so now, of course, because of, because of the season. But we also partner with the MDI Food Assets Project, the MDI Open Table. Um, we also provide food boxes for local health clinics and hospitals. You know, so any anytime a patient might disclose food insecurity there, they have access to that as well. Here's Joe Ryan from AIO. Area Interfaith Outreach, uh, which is better known as AIO, Food and Energy Assistance. We're located in Rockland. We serve all of Knox County. We are, we're the largest 
food pantry facility in Knox County and we support all of the other, there are 14 food pantries throughout Knox County and we help support those food pantries as well because of the capacity that we have. We built a new facility that opened uh, in September of uh, last year, 2020. So right in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, uh, we opened a large modern facility that has a market warehouse, uh, large walk-in freezer and cooler capacity. Uh, it's really a remarkable facility. We're so proud that, uh, to have this in Knox County. And we're, and we're so proud that we've been recognized nationally by Hunger Free America, which is a national organization that addresses food insecurity on a national level through lobbying for federal uh, assistance and laws. And they recognized us as one of the best food pantries in the country, having the largest impact uh, in their communities. So we're uh, extremely proud of that uh, in, in the work that we're doing here. We are a food pantry that provides food for anyone who, who needs a little assistance. Uh, we're open Three days a week, we've changed our hours now so that we have one day on Wednesdays uh, that we are open continuously from 10 in the morning till six o'clock in the evening, which is quite unique for, uh, for many food pantries to have uh, extended hours like that. We're also open on Monday and Fridays from 10 till noon. Uh, so that is for our food distribution. We have a market. We have returned to indoor shopping. We had been doing uh, curbside due to the pandemic since last March. And much like uh, what OJ is, is doing, we had pre-packed boxes and uh, produce, dairy, meat. And we would try to customize them as best as best we could. I think we did a remarkable job at that. Having a market shopping experience that our facility was built around provides choice. Folks can come in and choose the food that's right for them, right for their family, in the amounts that are right. Uh, so we really worked hard to get to uh, get to a place where we could operate indoor safely and effectively for all for all of our clients who come to visit us. We've created a shopping experience. We're really proud of the market that we have um, with shopping carts and folks come in, they grab a cart and they walk up and down the aisles and they pick out the, the food that is right for them and for their family. Uh, and we've worked really hard to make it feel like a shopping experience uh, and to bring joy and dignity and pleasure to to shopping that um, is what that shopping experience should be for everybody so we're, we're we are like I said really proud of uh, what is happening here at at AIO uh, we also do energy assistance uh, living in Maine food insecurity and energy insecurity go hand in hand you can't have one without the other it's a program that we are we are growing we're currently, distributing just about $200,000 in uh, fuel assistance to residents in Knox County who are clients of AIO. So uh, with their enrollment, they're eligible for, for that assistance. Uh, and it's really a drop in the bucket. Uh, it's a program that we hope that we can grow more and more. Uh, we do refer many folks who are a little bit of a bridge to the LIHEAP program. That is a federal and state 
uh, energy assistance programs. So we, we do help to refer folks over to that and be able to provide a little bit of assistance on our own in addition. We also have a new diaper program, which is really exciting uh, because the, the issue around diaper insecurity is uh, not discussed very much, but it's a really important issue that addresses food insecurity uh, as well as health issues in um, families who are uh, who, who struggle with finances. Uh, one of the only things that you can really ration is how often diapers are changed. And that can sometimes lead to, to health issues that cause greater doctor bills and less household money available for food and, and energy. So it's, it's, everything is really all connected. We're trying to address those three areas and working with others, other organizations in the community uh, around uh, affordable housing and homelessness and domestic abuse. And uh, you know, all of those issues are interconnected and we really feel that they need to be addressed uh, as a group rather than as an island. Here's OJ Logue from Bar Harbor Food Pantry. Thank you for bringing up the in-store shopping. We have moved to that as well, Joe, uh, and others. I forgot to mention that. We had Wednesday, 12 or 2. But now we're going to move to from 9 in the morning to 2 in the afternoon on Wednesday, and then on Thursday, 4 to 6, because that's the common complaint is that it's not accessible. But as we are much smaller than Joe's Place, if you have a chance to see Joe's Place, it's a dream. It's a it's Fantastic. It really is. I, I'm not surprised that you won the national award that way. And I just want to hand it real quickly. I was a former special ed director in your region, and the Magic School Bus was run by the librarian. And I don't know, she had the bookmobile and the food. And so I'm glad that you continued that. Yeah. So the Magic Food Bus was started by Margaret Bixby, the Cedric School librarian. And, and the whole idea was really to get books out into the community during the summertime. And when she began kind of crafting that plan, she thought, well, if I'm going to travel around with books, what else does my community need? And the first thing that lighted up for her was food. We need some good food and we need some fresh food. And, and we have farmers right here. And that farm fresh produce is not available to everybody to go to the farmer's market. And, and now these days, our local food pantries, the, the Tree of Life in Blue Hill and the pantry in Dural and Stonington um, behind the old schoolhouse at the community center there, it's, it's really more common to see produce in the pantry these days than it was 10, 12 years ago. And, and similar to what you were talking about, Joe, just trying to make something that is appealing and um, really respects everybody's dignity, but also is, is exciting. Like we give out some of the most beautiful product that I could get my hands on here in this area. Um, and you can take it for free or drop a quarter in or whatever works for you. So I think it's really important to make that really high quality nourishment available to anyone and everyone. And, you know, we do our best to reduce stigma. It's, it really, it can be so fun to share this, this beautiful food and to see um, how people respond to just like a gorgeous head of lettuce is really joyful for me and for the people who are coming to take it. Um, that's a, that's a real highlight. It, the magic it, food bus. Added to that, to that point, we have a, 
a um, partnership with the Maine State Prison in Warren, and they, they have an amazing garden farm at the prison. And uh, the men who who grow that food take such pride in, in the work that they're doing. That And when they send food over to the food pantry and the back of the truck opens up, it is the best looking farmer's market you have ever seen. Everything is polished and cleaned and lined up and all the tomatoes are are lined up in a row. And to your point, the quality of food that we are able to distribute as a food pantry uh, is really goes against all, all misconceptions about what food pantries are. Uh, we have very high quality food. It's not the food that nobody else wants. It's the food that everybody would love to have. And, and that's one of the things that we're, you know, we're really excited about is that there's a, a movement, not only here in Maine, but across the country to really change the model of food pantries in the, the perception of food pantries and make that experience such a joyful experience that it does help to erase that stigma that has always plagued food pantries. I also wanted, and maybe you do the same thing, Joe, but we also provide pet food as well for cats and dogs because we recognize the, the value of pets in a household. Yeah, we, uh, we've just added that. And one of the other programs that I didn't get a chance to talk about is, is our weekend meals program, which is another really important as, as we're talking about uh, stigma. The weekend meals program is kind of a reboot of what was called the backpack program that had had some stigma attached to it. And one of the things that we did to uh, to turn that stigma around was, first of all, we eliminated any criteria for families to sign up for it. Uh, backpack programs traditionally were for families that were uh, SNAP recipients. We've, we eliminated any criteria. We made it available to schools in Knox County for uh, any family who wanted to receive food for, for the weekends. And then we changed the food that went into those bags to all brand name recognized, recognized brands that kids loved. Instead of off-brand macaroni and cheese, we use only Kraft macaroni and cheese because the kids recognize that package. Uh, honestly, within three weeks, it, the program went from kids hiding those bags and not wanting to be seen carrying them to openly sharing the food that was in them on the bus. And uh, all the other kids were looking in the bags to see what was in there. And uh, we increased our enrollment by 200% just with you know, families saying, oh, that sounds great. I would love to receive a bag like that and sending a little bit of food home on the weekends. It is so beautiful to see how you all light up so much when you talk about the work that you're doing and the work that your organizations are doing. It's so wonderful to hear about. So I'm curious to know how you all got involved working in food insecurity and then specifically how you came to your organizations. Yeah, so this is funny because I, I met Joe Joe and I talked about the same same thing, how we got involved as volunteers. So I was a volunteer driver when I came. This is OJ Logue from Bar Harbor Food Pantry. I retired in January as a superintendent of a deaf school in Portland. So I came back home to Southwest Harbor and, and quickly got bored. So I decided to volunteer to drive on Thursday. Then realized that the, the previous executive director had left. So there was a void in leadership there. So I offered my services to be an interim director. And Joe had said that he'll tell his story. But it kind of uh, it kind of grabs you. You know, you, you just get really hooked on this work. 
you know, I'm here five days a week. I mean, I just love being here. I love the work we do. I love all the people I, I'm surrounded by, you know, they're either volunteers or, or patrons or whatever. You know, the community is extraordinarily generous. So I like being a part of that. So, yeah, so that's how I came about it. Here's Joe Ryan from AIO. Yeah, so a little bit like OJ, I had owned uh, a, a marketing business for a number of years and had uh, been involved in the community and been involved with AIO and helping with some fundraising and some capital and capital campaign. When when we sold the business, uh, I started to volunteer and um, actually began taking cardboard to the dump. That was my role in, in AIO. Uh, and one thing led to the next. And I had experience in helping nonprofits in transitional periods going from take, taking that big step from one facility to a next. Uh, so I'd, I'd had some experience with other nonprofits in the community for a while and was asked to join first the building committee and, and, uh, you know, and one thing leads to the next. And, um, next thing I know, I'm applying for the executive director position. But it, it does start with volunteering. And as OJ said, uh, it is infectious. It's, um, for me, the most exciting part is the effectiveness of the work that we do, how, you know, the, how impactful it is and how immediate the, that impact is. When, when we're helping families who are food insecure and we're providing food taking that stress off the family, the impact is immediate. That for me is what's really exciting about the work of AIO uh, is that we not only have a large and important impact, but it, it, it takes place so immediately. We're doing such exciting work throughout the community. Um, so that, that's kind of how what drew me in, just like OJ had said. Here's Anna Wind from Healthy Peninsula. I started working with food just mostly out of a, a desire to have a job um, at first and and realized really quickly since my first food prep job at age 15 to working in gardens and restaurants that I've always just had a love of food from the field to friends around the table. Um, I've worked with some incredibly inspiring cooks who made feeding people creatively their life passion. As a young adult, I asked myself how my skills and interests could match with the needs of my community and began running an after-school program with a friend, taking high school students out to farms and gleaning produce and offering culinary lessons to bring that food back into the school and share it as a snack or part of a meal. And that was actually the first time that I worked with a simmering pot, which I'll tell you more about in a few. But in 2016, Healthy Peninsula reached out to me and asked if I could take on a part-time position purchasing and distributing free, fresh, and locally sourced produce as coordinator of the Magic Food Bus. I was delighted to receive that offer and inquiry. And as I mentioned before, the program had started in Sedgwick by Margaret Bixby, the school librarian, and she was looking to share books and make healthful, fresh produce available to everyone in the community. And at that time, when they asked me to come on board, the program had grown with the help of Edible Island to serve Deer Island Stonington, and they were looking for someone to help support increased purchasing and distribution and continued expansion to surrounding towns because the model of offering multiple pop-up locations with free fresh produce and books seemed to be going really well. So I jumped on board um, and I just really believe that food has a powerful impact on our personal 
physical and social well-being, as well as our environmental landscape, and just felt so lucky to be offered a role to share some of the best of what our peninsula has to offer, and for free. Here we are six seasons later, um, not only distributing free fresh produce and books and resource materials, but also working with schools to develop their garden-based education and food security programs, like you're talking about backpack programs and other creative solutions to getting food home with kids. Continuing to work with older adults, offering culinary instruction and maintaining a monthly food programs call so that all the good people doing food-focused work on the peninsula can keep in touch so we can more effectively serve our community and, and problem-solve collectively. So I am really fortunate to be putting my passion to work. I get a lot of joy out of working with the many partners in this area. We're just one really small organization, but we do a lot. It's really inspiring to hear about what you guys have been doing at the at the Bar Harbor Food Pantry and, and AIO. It's so inspiring to hear from all of you. Um, and before we shift to talking uh, more specifically about the pandemic, I just want to let our listeners know who are just tuning in that this is WERU Community Radio 89.9 FM in Blue Hill and streaming online at WERU.org. My name is Emma Weiss, and this is Community Wellness Watch. And today we're talking about food insecurity throughout the pandemic with Anna Wind, who is the Healthy Eating and Magic Food Bus Coordinator at Healthy Peninsula, OJ Logue, who is the Interim Executive Director of Bar Harbor Food Pantry, and Joe Ryan, who is the Executive Director of Area Interfaith Outreach Food and Energy Assistance. So going all the way back to March of 2020, can you tell our listeners about how your organization first responded to the pandemic, especially considering your programs that are so volunteer powered, in your case, Anna, that are going into schools? What were the first changes that you made to your practices to keep your staff, your volunteers, and the folks that you serve healthy and safe? I was actually in a school on March 13, 2020, and there was a little whispering in the air um, about what was going on. And I was sharing some treats with blueberries with kids and, and just kind of looking around this big room, wondering what was going to happen next. Immediately, kind of like by Monday, um, a lot of things had changed and kids were home from school for at least a few weeks, for sure, um, which turned out to be the rest of the school year. Um, and so at Healthy Peninsula, we immediately started working remotely and checking in more regularly to stay abreast of the rapidly emerging needs of the community. We organized online lists with up-to-date information about resources, closures, food and medical access, and created a friendly caller program to check in with our community members. And and also grocery delivery and purchasing in a pinch for those in need. March is usually a little bit of a quieter season for me um, since it's a slower time for fresh local produce. I'm usually doing some collaborative school programming and doing community meals, cooking with older adults. And March 2020 was anything but usual. The first thing I was acutely aware of was that the local community meal, the Simmering Pot, had shut down um, when its host, the Congregational Church, was closed due to the pandemic. And it just seemed like an awful time for the Central Free Community Meal Program to become unavailable as people were losing their jobs and being saddled with extra responsibilities to feed their families um, with kids home from school for an extended time. I felt like with the skills and connections that I had, I could at least get something up and running as a delivery service to folks in need of a meal, even if it just had to be me by myself. But luckily, I didn't have to do any of it alone. Barb Haskell, who leads the kitchen at the Blue Hill Hospital, immediately signed on to help cook the weekly soup. And Tinder Hearth Bakery offered donated bread to round out the meal. Um, we designed it so that it was a full court 
offering along with two slices of bread so that if you were really trying to get by in a pinch, you could turn it into a sandwich, um, maybe stretch it for a couple meals. And and for many folks, it was just a real treat to get a warm home-cooked meal provided to them. Before long, the Blue Hill Co-op and other local restaurants and volunteers were preparing a meal with what started out the first week as 50 quarts um, to over 100, 130 people rapidly in the coming weeks. So we provided masks, hand sanitizer, and training to community members who stepped up as volunteer drivers to do a contactless delivery. Um, So people were able to call us at Healthy Peninsula or sign up online to receive this meal um, every Monday or a la carte, depending on the need. We worked with the original Simmering Pot team who were very welcoming to collaborate with their program to support an evolution into their own nonprofit. And this partnership is still going strong at this point with volunteer cooks working in commercial kitchens to prepare a weekly meal and Healthy Peninsula managing the delivery of approximately 130 quarts of food every Monday. So that was the biggest shift that happened with my work. The Magic Food Bus itself continued its season, but with a lot more protections in place, uh, one might say. Uh, We donned masks. Our model typically allowed people to choose their own produce from our coolers. And we asked people to communicate that verbally instead of picking things out with their own hands. So it involved a lot more um, communication with volunteers and community members. And at first we did see a drop in people out and about and accessing services. And a lot more people called for a new service that we had offered to provide a drop-off of free fresh produce if needed. We called upon volunteers to help us deliver, to help us slice bread, to help us cook, all of the above. It, it changed the shape of things, but it also really increased our uh, volunteer team. My time has been a lot more about working with those people who have stepped up to uh, support getting food out to people who need it and getting creative when there are different circumstances in the home where people might not be able to communicate, whether it's a lack of internet um, and thinking about people at home who don't have those kinds of resources or thinking about people who may feel uncomfortable coming out to a table um, where there might be other people. And on the flip side, there's other folks who are just so excited to see their neighbors for the first time. We asked people to, to wear masks in 2020. And once people started getting vaccinated, it, you know, it was an optional thing if we're all of our uh, transactions take place outdoors. And we just wanted people to feel comfortable to connect. And over and over, I heard that at the Magic Food Bus table where where I'm stationed, that people were connecting with their neighbors for the first time in many months. And hearing those conversations and being a part of those relationships really meant a lot to me. And just being on hand too for other resources that, you know, needs that came up, whether it was trying to figure out how to get somewhere because so many people couldn't travel. Um, Many of the people in in my community and I imagine elsewhere uh, share rides with each other. And so during the pandemic, that changed. And so we actually started delivering boxes from the food pantry in Blue Hill to people at home and working with them to get those extra pantry staples to folks who weren't able to carpool as usual. So we're still problem solving as we go. And the 
garden camp program that we have been running for the past few years, um, which is a free garden-based education program where we take kids from the soil to the plate, basically. We ended up offering that in a virtual format. And uh, we did have some kids who tuned in, despite what you might think in July and August here in Maine. Just that hunger for connection was so strong. And I think it meant a lot to them to be able to stay tuned in with their peers and friends. And we sent them home little gardens in a bucket so that they could sort of follow along with the growing season if they didn't have a garden at home. Here's Joe Ryan from AIO. Like Anna and OJ and everybody else, we all pivoted and adjusted and did what we had to do to be able to continue to distribute food. That was always the top level priorities to make sure that families that uh, relied on on food assistance from us and other other pantries uh, continued to receive that. So we did a number of things to be able to continue to operate safely. For Well, first of all, we hadn't moved into our new facility yet. So we were still in a much smaller building right next door to the building we, uh, we are currently in. And we, we moved to a drive up immediately. And then we just kept adjusting how we put that food together and kind of fine-tuning the pre-packing and, and the process so people could could drive through. So many individuals and businesses really stepped up, as we all know, during, during the pandemic. Good Shepherd uh, Food Bank really increased their distribution. The Hannaford Shaw's Walmart increased their contributions. Gift cards were made available. There were just so many, so many efforts that came at us so fast that we tried to take advantage and tried to distribute everything that was available. As I said, we were building a new facility that opened in September. Uh, so we were only three or four months out when the pandemic really struck. The mission of building this new facility was more food more often. We had been distributing food to clients once a month, and uh, or they were able to come once a month and get about three days worth of food assistance. And we really wanted to increase the volume and how often clients could come to visit us. So that was really the point of the new facility. Uh, as it turned out, the pandemic hit just before we were opening and it put us to the test. It, uh, it really put us on the front line of providing more food and providing it more often and providing it in, in safe ways. The, the pandemic, I think we can all agree, has taught us so many ways that we can improve on our mission. We can work together more. There is resources in our community. The pandemic proved that, that there are so many resources available that we can share with everybody in the community. And I, I think we're, we're learning lessons. We're continuing to learn lessons that are going to serve us well when the pandemic is over and uh, going into the future. We're going to learn that we can share the food that is already in our community. And uh, we have volunteers who want to help each other and want to help neighbors in the community. And we've learned how to manage that and uh, how to organize it. And I, I think we're going to come out of this pandemic better than we've ever been. Here's OJ Logue from Bar Harbor Food Pantry. Responding to Anna and Joe, I mean, we 
we obviously had to make adjustments. We had to really drastically reduce uh, hours. So we did a lot of curbside departures that way. We initiated a new program called Fresh Food Friday, which is still in place now because it's so popular. You know, every Friday we put out a, a lot of produce, uh, especially in the summertime. The fresh produce is just fantastic. And then we have a new a new program that was initiated in Trenton. We call the Timberwolf uh, Cupboard Pantry Program. So we, every week we we bring a lot of fresh produce and veg, vegetables and fruits over there on a weekly basis, so that they don't have to travel to Bar Harbor. Bar Harbor in the summertime is can be quite tough. You know, transportation-wise, parking tough over here. So that was a good alternative that way. Like Joe said, we survived. The community rallied behind us in a very big way. The philanthropy, um, the giving was there. Uh, the downside, obviously, volunteerism was way down. You know, people were, you know, rightfully so, were concerned about their own health and didn't want to just venture out. Um, like serendipity, uh, clothing boutique or the pantry, the volunteers, you know, plummeted for us then. Can you talk a little bit about how the development and availability of the COVID-19 vaccine affected your organization and the folks you serve and your volunteers? No, we're seeing the return of volunteers now because of, of vaccines, you know. Um, so, you know, a lot of the volunteers I have and most everybody have mostly retired, older individuals that have concerns for, and maybe have uh, underlying health conditions. So um, obviously, you know, we try to provide you know, the PPE, what they need to be in a safe environment. Um, like when in the pantry open market, we only allow two at a time. Our space is not as as large as Joe, so we can't really do much more than two at a time by appointments only. So that seems to work. Yeah, I think, um, you know, people are smart. I mean, they know they're not coming to us um, in these settings if they're not feeling well. I mean, so, so people are really taking care of one another. Just a reminder to our listeners, this is WERU Community Radio, 89.9 FM in Blue Hill and online at WERU.org. My name is Emma Weiss, and this is Community Wellness Watch. And today we're talking about food insecurity throughout the pandemic with Anna Wind from Healthy Peninsula, Joe Ryan from Area Interfaith Outreach, and OJ Logue from Bar Harbor Food Pantry. We talked a little bit about before about how COVID affected your organizations and volunteers, but I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more about how social distancing, isolation, COVID in general affected the populations that you serve. Were you serving folks who may not have sought out your services prior to the pandemic? Very interesting. Um, you know, as we you know embark on annual appeals and things, we saw we saw actually a decrease in numbers because of the financial incentives uh, that were families were giving checks to stay home. You know, the federal federal stimulus money. So we saw some of that. However. You know, we also saw a lot of people out of work. Uh, we also saw a, a severe shortage of many families. So it was a really ironic, you know, dip, but then the need did not go away. You know, just because people had money in their pocket, you know, there was a time when they were faced with, um, I am concerned about their future in terms of the price of oil right now, for example. Uh, you know, they're talking about, you know, electricity, gas, everything going up and up, and the, the challenges of transportation systems alone. You know, we've had two incidents where we didn't have a food truck delivery two different times this summer and fall because of um, the lack of drivers. I mean, that affects us dramatically when we can't, we can't put food out. 
for Trenton or Fresh Food Friday when a delivery truck doesn't come. I mean, we're dependent on on that kind of system. I'm also worried about the inflation, you know, um, of food. You know, I'm projecting 25% increase on our budget just to offset that kind of uh, cost piece. Here's Anna Wind from Healthy Peninsula. We really develop completely new partnerships and new food offerings in response to the pandemic. So to say, you know, did we see a difference in people accessing? Absolutely. Um, People were calling us for things that they had never called us for before. Um, But because Healthy Peninsula is a trusted name in the community, they reached out when they needed help. And that was really heartening. We're happy to jump in in a pinch um, wherever we can, whenever needed. And that's part of our ethos. And I would say, you know, there's a lot changed amongst people visiting the Magic Food Bus in that it used to be like more of a community gathering and and hangout in certain locations. Um, and in 2020, it was less so that and more grab and go, um, which we were really lucky that our format was eas- easy for uh, social distancing, being outside, um, taking turns, that sort of thing. But in 2021, that, you know, with the advent of the vaccine and less people feeling as much fear as previously, there was more camaraderie and you could just feel the difference. Um, But again, I had never operated in a pandemic season before. So now I just have two to compare. I hope there's never another one, but we're, you know, we're taking, taking it all as it comes. And I do see, you know, with the Delta variant being a constant right now, Mask wearing indoors has continued and come back for us in our office. You know, everything is just more of a challenge. Like we're, we're up for it. And, um, but our team is stretched. I mean, a lot of people have families at home. Kids have been home because other classmates have gotten COVID. Uh, I also work at a school. And I think in all of these different environments, just fear of each other's germs has become a roadblock for community and the natural support that, that comes from being connected on a regular basis. So um, I've just tried to do what I can to help encourage people to stay connected and and be a resource for things that folks might need. This year at the Magic Food Bus, we gave out over 7,000 pounds of uh, free fresh produce. And a lot of that is just like leafy greens, um, which is pretty amazing because they don't weigh a whole lot. And we had over 2,500 visits um, paid to our tables, which is more than we saw in 2020. So I would say the pandemic definitely kept people home. It definitely encouraged people to reach out. But I'm always reminded that for every person who picks up the phone and, and knows how or has time and the ability to advocate, there's probably other people who don't. Um, and so that's always on my mind um, and thinking about how to make those resources accessible to folks who are not actively reaching out and may, may continue to be in need of that support. Anna, that, that's such a great point. This is Joe Ryan from AIO. What we've witnessed here too is at the beginning of the pandemic, we were seeing sort of our regular clients who had been coming, uh, like OJ said, we saw a little bit of a decline initially as, as folks were staying home and then a little more return back to what were at the time would have been considered average numbers. As Anna points out, and, and our growth really has been in reaching, reaching those families that 
could have used our help all along. And we're penetrating further into the community. I think we're messaging better about the uh, what is available. We've talked a lot today about the quality, the quantity, the freshness, the, the food that is in our community. And I, I think we're all messaging better about what's available and we are reaching more families and individuals. I don't think there is necessarily a, an increase in food insecurity it has always been there, but as we're all seeing uh, increased numbers, it's because we're reaching uh, those folks who could use our help better. And I think that's where our growth, uh, our growth has been. We've we've gone from you know an average of around thirty to forty families per week to we're now seeing about 150 families per week. And again, I don't believe it's an increase in food insecurity. I, I think it's an increase in, uh, in messaging and reaching those families and showing that the experience is probably not what they, th- it's a more joyful experience in accepting help. And that is, uh, that's so important for all of our organizations is for people to realize the help that's available to them and uh, and the dignity in ex- accepting help. That it, it's such a hard thing to get over. But once folks visit, I'm sure any of our facilities, they'll say, boy, this is great. This is this really helps us. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I hope so many people who are listening today get that message and give any of us a try and, and really see um, what a great experience it can be. You all absolutely did my job for me. We talked about uh, challenges, talked about some bright moments from the past year and a half. And I would really love to talk a bit about donation season, donating to food pantries as we enter the holiday season. And I was wondering if you could let our listeners know any sort of tips or guidelines you can offer folks who are interested in donating either their time by volunteering or food to food banks and food pantries. Are there particular items that you tend to have in excess or that tend to be overlooked? The big thing is that, you know, sometimes we, we have a donation box at the Hannaford, you know, here in um, Bar Harbor. And, you know, it's very generous offering from, from everyone. This is OJ Logue from Bar Harbor Food Pantry. But one thing that we, we get probably too much of is soup, for example. You know, uh, we don't need quite that much soup, for example, but but what we find shortage of are like coffee and tea, you know, and, uh, you know, we are working on toward a, a whole pet pantry kind of thing. So I'm not quite so worried about that, that giving, but it would be nice that donations came through um, to, to support that effort as well. But like Joe talked about, you know, the diapers, you know, diapers are really big. Feminine hygiene products are always a shortage. Shampoos, soaps. Um, just a lot of things that, that we can't get through Good Shepherd necessarily. You know, every once in a while we get we get a, you know, random um, offerings of different products that way, but it's not a consistency that we need. Uh, so when, especially when the open market, when people come, they're looking for certain items that we don't have. Like, a, like Joe said, a good supermarket, you want to have plenty of what, what you need. Um, I think we do, overall do a, a really good job. But again, you know, it's, it's, a, it's the everyday products. Like 
um, detergent, you know, anything that someone wouldn't have to go to the market to pay. Because at the end of the day, it's about having enough money to pay your electricity or fuel or, or, or gas for your car to, to work. You know, these are the things that sometimes we kind of lose sight of. Uh, we don't receive, I mean, I would love gift cards, for example. I mean, if I had an abundance of Hannaford gift cards, for example, I could then quickly get what I need for that week that I know that I might not get for two more weeks. You know, it's disheartening for me when I can't fill a box with an item um, that someone wants and needs, you know, and uh, so don't want to have that happen. So for AIO, just just like OJ said, we have collection bins in supermarkets and in town offices and in many places. We have diaper collection bins uh, through, throughout the community as well. The best way to support AIO, however, is through financial do donations. Uh, the money that we receive, uh, because we can, we have access to supply chains that we can buy for pennies on the dollar, a, a $10 donation, if you were to buy $10 worth of food, if you instead gave $10 in a financial financial donation, we can turn that into $40 worth of food. Uh, so the, the monetary donations are really important to us. And at, for year end right now, AIO has a, um, a community match of up to $20,000 uh, that for local businesses, venture advertising, Machaya Savings Bank, Maritime Energy and Fisher Engineering have all agreed to provide a match for any monetary donation that we get. Uh, so those donations are doubled right now. Uh, so now it's a great time really to, to support AIO through a monetary donation. And that can be done online through our website. Uh, and other donations like, uh, like OJ was saying of, uh, Items that you wouldn't think of uh, through food drives, such as shampoos and soaps and household uh, cleaning items. Those are always really important, too. And we have a, uh, a really big community food drive coming up on January 17th, which is called Fill the Strand, where uh, we are attempting to put a food bag on every seat in the Strand Theater in downtown uh, Rockland last year. Uh, it was a huge success uh, and we're looking forward to uh, one of the biggest food drives in the state taking place on uh, January 17th on Martin Luther King Day here in Rockland. I would just echo that. That is one of the biggest things that I've learned working on food security issues is that food pantries really have the ability to turn a dollar into four. And so that is huge as as far as making your impact go a long way if you want to contribute. And also, if you live in an area where you're not working to help support uh, the Bar Harbor Food Pantry or AIO specifically, I really encourage uh, reaching out to your local pantry and inquiring what they specifically need. A lot of those needs might cross over, um, but I think each pocket of the community has a different specific need. Some people might be excited to receive fresh products to turn around quickly and get out the door, and, and other people might only want pantry staples. Um, so it's always worth the inquiry. In the Blue Hill area, um, right now, the town office is hosting a food drive um, in partnership with the 
Blue Hill Y. And so they're receiving pantry staples to donate um, and also to deliver directly to people's homes, I believe. Um, so Shauna Ambrose at the Blue Hill Town office is the contact for that if you're interested in contributing. And at Healthy Peninsula, we are we don't run a food pantry. What I do with uh, donations for food is purchase local food at a wholesale price from local farmers. So we receive donations and um, infuse that money directly into our farmers' pockets, which I think is a valuable piece of our community to support as well. And also use it to uh, buy ingredients uh, to cook with community members and snacks to share with kids at schools. So yeah, we are so grateful for everybody's support um, and the different contributions that are made, whether it's or money. Um, it's really uplifting. I'd like to add what, what Joe and um, Anna have said too. Check out your, the, the 990 on, on each of our organizations. You'll see that if you were to make a substantial donation to this organization, it is not heavily loaded and staffing or whatever. I mean, it really, every dollar, it really matters and makes a huge difference in the lives of, of us, our citizens that we work with. So um, I always say, look at the 990 because that's very transparent. It's public, the public document. Uh, you would be amazed at how much your money is going to directly impact lives. So. I'm so enjoying talking to you all, but we are nearing the end of our time. So before we wrap up and do our outros, I have one last question I'd like to ask, which is, is there anything else you wish more people knew about food insecurity in our communities? If you sort of have like a last going away message. For me, Emma, I wish everybody would recognize that we have enough food in our community, in in Maine, in, in our country that food insecurity should not exist. The, we should be focused on how to share the food that we have in our community. And Anna knows this better than every, anybody. We have plenty of produce. We have plenty of farmers who want to share the food. Uh, if we could eliminate the waste that we have and focus more on distributing and sharing food locally, not on a national level, but locally within our communities, uh, we could really have a huge impact on food insecurity. Uh, it's not a hunger problem, it's a food distribution problem. And I think we can, if we, were, if we all recognize that and focus on that going forward, we can really make a difference. The one thing I learned too in this job is, is not to pass judgment, you know, and to recognize the humility that sometimes takes to be able to come forward and ask for the food. You know I mean, like I remember handing out different things and thank you, thank you, thank you. Every time I give something, I said, no, you don't need to thank me for this. I mean, this is what we do, you know, and, uh, but it's just a gratitude of, of, of other patrons that, that come to us is, is very profound. Um, you know, and I love that we provide dignified food service for everyone. Um, before I, I finish off, I just think it's, a, it's very uh, humbling to be a part of this organization. I'm, I'm grateful for it. I'm appreciative of all my staff, the, the volunteers and board of directors. I would say as a closing comment, just that taking care of each other is the best thing. Um, and so the Magic Food Bus exists because it helps community members take care of other community members. Um, and we can do that effectively together in coordination. Um, but 
um, yeah, we just, we really want to offer a welcoming experience to everybody. We want it to be fun, nourishing, and to be a resource. So I look at food insecurity as one piece of the puzzle um, that really can be solved by a close-knit community who is willing to work together and stay in contact with each other. And I think that is really nourishing, not only on a nutritional level, but for so many aspects of our well-being. And so that's part of what I'm invested in through my work with Healthy Peninsula and the Magic Food Bus. And I echo OJ's sentiment of major gratitude for all of the farmers, the gleaners, the partnerships that we have, and all of the people involved who are moving food around, harvesting food, and and to the people who come to the table with questions and sharing a little piece of their story with us and expressing needs of neighbors and and maybe dropping something off to a friend. Um, I just see so much care for others through the work that I do, and I feel so lucky to get to collaborate with so many members of our Peninsula community um, through the Magic Food Bus. Beautiful. Thank you all so much for those closing comments. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. So before we go, could you let our listeners know where they can find you online or who they can contact to access your services, to donate or volunteer, or just to learn more? And all of this information will be in the show notes as well. The quickest way for us is just go to our website, bhfp.org. And um, everything's there, including a donation button or if you want to volunteer. And then obviously we have a Facebook page as well. For AIO, our best connection is is through our website as well, uh, which you can find us at AIOforme.org. And uh, our our Facebook page is quite active uh, as as well, where we're located in in Rockland at uh, <clears throat> One Gordon Drive, which is the entrance to the Rockland Industrial Park. We have a we have a great big garden out front and a large sign with huge AIL letters. You can't miss us. And to find uh, me at a Healthy Peninsula and information about the Magic Food Bus, um, you can find us physically at Ten Parker Point Road in Blue Hill. Our PO box number is 945 and our phone number is 374-3257. That is the best way to get um, immediate support and information is to leave a message there. That's also how you can sign up for a meal from the Simmering Pot, um, which comes on Mondays. Um, And you can also email us at info at healthypeninsula.org or visit us at www.healthypeninsula.org. Emma, I just want to say thank you so much uh, to you for reaching out to the Maine Community Foundation for supporting uh, this program. I listen to a lot of these programs and they've been very informative. Um, And WERU is such a beautiful cornerstone of information in our community. So thank you so much for helping to get the word out, uh, convening these conversations and continuing to share information over the airwaves. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. And thank you all so much for your time again and for your very important work. What a fantastic way to end this project. 
This is WERU Community Radio, 89.9 in Blue Hill and streaming online at WERU.org. Thank you so much again to Anna, Joe, and OJ for this awesome conversation. And thank you so much for tuning in to our final full-length program of Community Wellness Watch, a program about public health. All previous shows can be found in the Public Affairs Archive on WERU.org. My name is Emma Weiss, WERU intern and your Community Wellness Watch host. Thanks again to the Maine Community Foundation for supporting this program. Stay well, everyone.